welcome to the 101st episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead, turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This episode is slightly different in that I am covering the top horror movies of 2021. It took me a while to get through all of them, but uh, I think I've I've seen everything I can um, that's currently available. So what's not on this list are no streaming series, so no Midnight Mass, even though if I was uh, ranking that, that would be towards the top of my list because I really enjoyed that. No Chucky, no Dexter New Blood, no I Know What You Did Last Summer, Alice in Borderland, Squid Games, Detention, etc., how many horror movies were released last year? It's hard to tell, but IMDb has a list of some 1,400 horror movies supposedly released in 2021. That seems like an awful lot. Um, I went through the first 400 on the list. My list has um, about 130 total. And of those 130, some 14 were sequels to existing horror franchises. So I might do a separate episode on those just because there are so many. But the sequels that came out last year included Halloween Kills, the remake, or I think it's technically a direct sequel to Candyman, Saw with Spiral Book of Saw, A Quiet Place 2, Wrong Turn, that was a remake, The Forever Purge, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, a remake to Slumber Party Massacre, a remake to Cube, but that was only released in Japan, apparently, VHS 94, which is a, a VHS is an anthology series, so that was really good, and there were six, apparently, Amityville horror movies. They included Amityville Cop, Amityville Moon, Amityville Scarecrow, Amityville Cult, Amityville Poltergeist, and Amityville Vampire. Uh, movies I did not watch due to their inavailability or their current cost include, and these were at the top of lots of other people's lists, Last Night in Soho, Werewolves Within, Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It. All of those are currently listed at $20 each on Amazon, so I've got to wait for the price to come down. And then also The Cube, as I mentioned, just came out in Japan. The Sadness, which is at a lot of people's top list, came out in Taiwan, both currently unavailable in the U.S. And I think it should go without saying, but I didn't watch the six Amityville horror movies, because who has time for that? And they just slap um, Amityville on any old movie to try to make some money. Shudder Originals. I was happy to see that many of the best horror movies of this year were Shudder Originals. They included The Queen of Black Magic, Slacks, Lucky, Violation, VHS 94, Caveat, Vicious Fun, The Boy Behind the Door, Bleed for Me, Superhost, Martyrs Lane, Advent Calendar, Boys from County Cork, and Candisha. 
Blumhouse, of course, also made many significant horror movies. Their biggest movies to date, not this year, but overall include Insidious, The Purge, Get Out, Happy Death Day, Halloween, Us, etc. Oh, and The Invisible Man. They also have um, a partnership with Amazon Prime that's called Welcome to Blumhouse, and they had four movies in that this year. They included Bingo Hell, um, Black as Night, Madras, and The Manor. And this year they released The Forever Purge, Halloween Kills, Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin, and The Vigil. Also, A24 is another studio. Um, I think they are more known for uh, what we're calling elevated horror. Um, and that's stu- this is the studio behind the biggest releases of Midsommar, The Witch, The Lighthouse, Hereditary, Climax, and some unhorror movies, non-horror movies, including Uncut Gems, Lady Bird, etc. This year they released Lamb, False Positive, and Saint Maud. And let me just say about Saint Maud before we get any farther, I included that in my list of movies from last year, so I won't be ranking that one, even though that's another one that's at the very top of a lot of people's lists. And lastly, one more studio that releases a lot of horror movies, IFC Midnight, which is owned by AMC. Um, they are behind such films as The Devil's Candy, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, The Clover Hitch Killer, Dead Snow, The Human Centipede, etc. And this year they released Come True, The Night, The Gen, Werewolves Within, Demonic, We Need to Do Something, The Beta Test, and The Feast. International movies continue to play a big part in um, the best horror films of the year. So this year we have a number of different international horror movies, including, hopefully I'll hit the big ones here, The Eighth Night from South Korea, The Medium from a joint venture between Thailand and South Korea, The Queen of Black Magic from Indonesia, Lamb from Iceland, Sound of Violence from Finland, France had a number of movies, including The Advent Calendar, The Deep House, Oxygen, Candisha, Meander, and Titan. I will say Titan is one of those two that's at the top of many people's list, not at the top of mine. I, it was weird enough, but I just uh, just wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, Germany had Black Red Snow, Black Red Sky, and that was um, that was a good movie. South African had Gaia, Bloody Hell from Australia, New Zealand had Coming Home in the Dark and Shadow of the Cloud, from Ireland we have Caveat, Boys from County Hell and Sun, UK we always have a number of good horror movies including Censor, The Power, The Feast, Last Night in Soho, St. Maud as I said, and lastly Canada has Come True for the Sake of Vicious and PG Psycho Gorman, and slacks. I just want to mention really quick uh, horror comedies. Horror comedies are really hard to do, but when they're done well, they're a lot of fun. And we had some good ones this year, including Slacks, Jacob's Wife with Barbara Crampton, which was fun, Willie's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage, that was also fun, and PG Psycho Gorman, which we'll be talking about more in a second. 
Okay, my top ten. Let me hit a couple of honorable mentions first, and then I'll go from ten to one. Honorable mentions, so these were good movies. I enjoyed them, but uh, they just didn't make the top ten. So the first one is The Amusement Park. That's a bit strange because it's um, George A. Romero's restored film from the 1970s. It talks about growing old, um, and I thought that was pretty good. It's available on Shudder. Um, so definitely worth a look. I don't think it was ever released before. It was created for, I think, the Lutheran Home or Lutheran Association or something. But uh, it's a quick watch, so definitely worth a look. Also, we just mentioned P.G. Psycho Gorman. This is a horror comedy, as we said, a 1980s monster throwback. It's so charming that I wanted to include it here on the list someplace. It embraces fully its B-movie status with vigor, and I just love the little kid that gets turned into the blob and the monster who they named P.G. Sacco Gorman. The kid actors are great, especially Nita Josie Hanna. Uh, she's a real standout, so I'm interested to see what she does in the future. But if you want a fun little throwback movie, it's a great one. Also, lastly, on the honorable mentions, The Forever Purge, uh, the final movie supposedly of the Purge franchise. Uh, the reason it's so scary is probably because of our current political climate. Um, what seemed like a preposterous premise at the beginning of the Purge franchise really doesn't seem that far-fetched at this point. So um, there were some, you know, there's some issues with the movie, pacing and whatever, but um, overall, I really enjoyed it. So that's the three movies in my honorable mention. Now for the top ten. Number ten, The Boy Behind the Door. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, critics give it a 97%, audiences gave it a 69 This is a single location film, and I think it's excellent because the child actors, especially Lonnie Chavis Jr., who plays Bobby, he also starred in the series This Is Us, which I didn't see, but he carries literally the entire film. So I thought the pacing was really good. You um, can really feel a sense of panic and terror um, in this movie. So I thought that was a really good one. Number nine is Old. Rotten Tomatoes gave it, critics gave it a 50%, audiences gave it a 53%. M. Night Shyamalan is a director on this movie, and as you know, he is famous for his twisty endings on such films, including The Sixth Sense, Signs, The Village, The Visit, etc. Not a lot of people like this enough to put it on their top ten, but I thought the premise was a very interesting one. Uh, obviously, if, if you've seen the movie poster or trailer, you know what it's about. But um, I thought it was an interesting idea. Yeah, could I have done without the twist ending? Yeah, probably. But um, I still thought it was pretty good. Number eight, The Medium. As we said, this is a movie from Thailand. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 76% by critics and 82% by audiences. This is considered a found footage movie. I'll warn you now, it starts off pretty slow, but the third act is completely bonkers, so it is definitely worth watching for that. If you like possession movies, it's a must-see. So that's The Medium, also available on Shudder. 
Number seven, The Night House. Rotten Tomatoes gave it critics 87%, audiences 89%. Rebecca Hall stars in this, and she's had quite a year last year. She did Godzilla vs. Kong. She directed the excellent Netflix movie Passing. And The Night House is another one where it's really just her almost through the entire film. Um, and this movie is really about loss and grieving, which in my opinion is much scarier than movie monsters. It also joins a couple other movies this year, which are also basically just a single character, and they include Oxygen and Meander. Uh, but I thought Rebecca Hall was really excellent in Night House. Number six may be a bit controversial, and that is Lamb from Iceland. Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave it 86%. Audiences gave it a 61%. This was an unexpectedly touching movie about a grieving, isolated, Icelandic couple. And you can notice a theme here. Um, Is it horror? Mm, I'd probably call it folk horror. Um... But it may not be horror in the traditional sense, and it may be a bit slow for people. But i got to say, I really enjoyed it. It is a slow burn, but I love Numi Rapace and everything she does. She was the original girl with the dragon tattoo. So um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the uh, atmosphere of the movie, the Icelandic scenery. It's really just a couple and some sheep for the most part, and then the brother drops by. But uh, it's got a, a interesting ending that I don't think you'll say, see coming. So if you like folk horror, check out Lamb. Number five is The Vigil. Rotten Tomatoes critics gave it a 90%, so they really liked it. Audiences gave it a 54%. I really like horror movies where you learn something new. And this movie involves an ex-Hasidic Jewish man who is paid to be a shomer, which is a person who sits with the dead body of the recently deceased throughout the night. Um, And obviously, it's a horror movie. Things go from bad to worse. Most of what we see uh, in movies involving demons usually deals with the Catholic Church. So this was a nice change of pace and something very different. The ending wrapped up a bit too easily in my book, but still it's an interesting look at Jewish mythology and the fact that trauma doesn't die with an event. It continues on through a person's life. It's generational. It continues on through their family and through their community. Um, so I definitely thought that was a good one. Number four is Candyman. Critics gave it a 84%. Audiences gave it a 72%. From Jordan Peele, who is really tearing up the place with great horror movies these days. Um, His production company is Monkey Paw Productions, and they produce Get Out and Us. And also, uh, the director is Nia DaCosta here. This film, as I said, is considered a direct sequel to the original movie, and not a remake. Um, And we've seen several of those uh, in franchises so far, including uh, Halloween. So 
This movie is not just about the Candyman urban legend of the first movie. It's also about gentrification and the violence inflicted on marginalized communities throughout history. So it's got a whole lot of things going on. Um, There might actually be a bit too many themes. Um, It gets a bit busy, but I still uh, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed this take on the franchise and the use of the shadow puppets uh, to depict the past events uh, in Candyman's history was a very cool look, very novel, and all of that was practical practical effects and not CGI. So I thought it was watching um, just for that. Um, So that's Candyman. That was number four. Number three, Army of the Dead. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 67%. Audiences gave it a 75%. Directed by Zack Snyder. He's done tons of stuff. The remake of Dawn of the Dead, 300, a bunch of stuff in the DC Universe. And this is a gonzo zombie blockbuster movie with a great, really big cast, great cinematography, and great zombies. And I hope that they are working on a sequel because it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a story a bit iffy in the end, of course, but who cares? If you got, you know, big... Big sets, big zombie attacks, then that's what I'm looking for. So that was great. Army of the Dead. Number two, the Fear Street Trilogy. I'm counting all three of these movies currently available on on Netflix as one movie, even though some people list them separately. So the three movies are Fear Street 1994, Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave it a 83%, audiences gave it a 62%, 1978, Critics gave it an 88%, audiences gave it an 80 and 16.66. Critics gave it a 90%, audiences gave it a 76%. And this series was definitely a hit with me. It's based on the books of R.L. Stein, um, and it reinvented the slasher uh, movie in several novel ways, which was very interesting. It follows a group of kids who live on the wrong side of an apparently cursed town. And throughout the three movies, you really begin to care about the characters. Featured are two Stranger Things alums, including Sadie Sink and Maya Hawke. Ethan Hawke and, um, what's her name? Um, can't remember her name. Anyway, Ethan Hawke's daughter. Um, this series is also notable for a same-sex couple at its center, which we typically don't see on screen. So I really enjoyed the Fear Street trilogy. My favorite of them is probably probably 1666 and then 1994. But there's really something in there for everybody. 1978 is really more of a uh, Friday the 13th kind of slasher movie. And without further ado, my number one pick for 2001 Best Horror Movie is Malignant. Rotten Tomato critics gave it a 76%, audiences gave it a 54%. This is from James Wan, who did Insidious, The Conjuring franchise, Saw. He is one busy man. Um, this movie is considered a slasher or giallo movie. It stars Annabelle Wallace, who was also busy this year because she also starred in Silent Night. The movie starts off slow, but again, the third act is crazy. 
The camera work and the set pieces are excellent. I don't want to say anything about the ending, but just watch it. There's a reason why people are raving about it. And if you say you saw the ending coming, I probably won't believe you. So number one in my book, Malignant. Number two, Fear Street. Number three, Army of the Dead. Number four, Candyman. Number five, The Vigil. Number six, Lamb. Number seven, The Night House. Number eight, The Medium. Number nine, Old. And number ten, The Boy Behind the Door. Um, so in conclusion, 2021 probably didn't have any films that were considered, you know, gigantic, um, really important to the horror genre films that we've seen in some other years, such as The Witch, Babadook, Get Out, Suspiria, Hereditary, etc. But um, there were really some fun movies and some very creative movies that came out last year. So if you uh, see any of these and have any thoughts, definitely let me know. Um, a couple of movies I didn't include that were big here. Let me just hit them real quick that were on other people's list. Antlers, that's another folk horror movie. Um, Guillermo del Toro um, did The Creature Effects and I think was the director... Carrie Russell starred in that movie. It just didn't, um, the creature just didn't do it for me um, in that one. Uh, let's see what else we got here. There's another movie that I have not seen, but it was listed as number one on Letterboxd for last year, and that is The History of the Occult from Argentina. So since it's listed as number one, I definitely want to see if I can find that at some point. There were several environmental movies uh, about uh, the man's effect or human's effect on the environment, and that included Gia. Um, I think I'm saying that right, G-A-I-A. -A. That was really an interesting movie. Um, and In the Earth. There's another one of those. Um, the Manor is an interesting movie, part of the Amazon Welcome to Blunhouse series, which I already mentioned, starring Barbara Hershey, about growing old. That was another interesting one. And that might be it. Let me check. Yep, I think that's it. Um, oh, Wrong Turn. Wrong Turn was another one of those that was at the top of people's list. It's considered a reboot of the franchise. Um, I personally didn't like it. It just kind of bored me. It's the seventh film in the franchise, and as you know, I covered the Wrong Turn franchise a couple of episodes ago. Um, yeah, just didn't do it for me. But a lot of people liked it. So in conclusion, where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. 
So that's it for last year. I'm interested to see. There are lots of interesting movies, including uh, entries into franchises, coming out in 2022. And I don't want to hint any of them now because we'll talk about them a little later. So until then, stay safe and we'll talk to you later. Bye.